Welcome to the Unhindered Podcast. Now, if you've been asleep for the last few weeks and have all of a sudden woken up and are a little confused by the name, didn't didn't this used to be called the Insecurity Project Podcast? Yeah, I mean, it did for, fair, for a fair while, but look, I decided to change it and I think the change is good. Uh, it speaks to the idea there really is only one goal and that is to be unhindered, to be able to show up at your best where it matters most, unhindered by doubt, fear and limiting beliefs. Uh, there is only one thing that can get in the way and it's still the same thing that's always been in the way and that's hidden or unresolved insecurity and there's only one solution to that and that is the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity. Now, last week I talked about finding flow and that it was my goal every day to drop into this flow state where I access the magic and time stops and it's it's all bliss and beauty and Look, I, I certainly wasn't in flow when I woke up this morning. I probably wasn't in flow much of yesterday either. And um, Catherine could tell I wasn't in a great mood and was trying to understand why, but I don't know why. Who ever knows why? Sometimes you're just not in a great mood. I think maybe it had something to do with the fact that Apple Podcasts are pissing me off because, look, I changed all the graphics to align with a new name and like Spotify worked that out in under 15 minutes, but Apple... Two weeks later, still haven't understood the tech involved in changing one photo to the next photo. So look, I don't know. I think that was it. It was something petty like that. I mean, like how freaking hard can it be? But you'll be pleased to know that this morning I found flow again. I I wasn't in a great mood. I was not energized. There was no creativity. And the thought of recording a podcast seemed like, well, what in the world could I possibly say? There's nothing to give right now. But to illustrate the point I made last week, uh, flow is our domain. We get to control all the moving parts. And so before I felt great, I started dressing like I felt great. So picked out some nice clothes, put some nice cologne on, had a nice breakfast, went to the the go-to eggs on sourdough with Avo and Vegemite and had a short black coffee this week and that just felt right. It felt like the thing I needed to do. I watched comedians in cars getting coffee. Jerry Seinfeld, what a legend. And that series is just particularly lovely. I don't know what it is about that. Specifically, if I had to pinpoint where the magic is, I don't know if I could, but I find that a really enjoyable series to watch and so while eating my eggs watched that watched watched a bit more comedy went down a few rabbit holes listening to some comedy and laughter is the best medicine and so look I, I go back in the game and I'm here now like I certainly wasn't here yesterday in fact yesterday I spent pretty much all day stuffing around I uh, went to a good mate's house in my trackies drank beer and watched the Super Bowl which was a lot of fun. Uh, didn't do anything particularly productive. However, in the midst of a kind of pretty blah day, had this moment of inspiration to remix a, a reel that I saw in the morning where a guy was talking about warping time, bending time, breaking his day into three days from 6 a.m. to midday, from midday to 6 and from 6 to 12 p.m. And so he was saying that, in one day, he actually has three days. So therefore, if you carry the math forward, he's going to be three times more productive than the average punter. And, you know, multiply that over a week, he's getting ahead over a month, he's a long way ahead. And 
by a year or five years, he's light years ahead. So what a sort of superhero. And all I just thought of was when Kramer was on that Da Vinci plan and read something about Leonardo Da Vinci sleeping 20 minutes every three hours. And so <laughs> decided to apply that sleep theory to his life and was just already forecasting how productive he was going to be. Um, if you've seen the episode, it's hilarious because he wakes Jerry up at three in the morning because he's bored and got nothing to do and wants to go catch a movie. And then he passes out in the lounge in the middle of the day and, you know, it, it doesn't go that well. So anyway, I remixed this uh, this productivity guru, allegedly, talking about time and I put Kramer's um, sleep theory on the back of that. In the midst of a very unproductive day, uh, for some reason, that Instagram video uh, has seen 140,000 views in the last 24 hours so that was the only productive thing i did all day i had a nap after the super bowl didn't do anything particularly useful didn't advance the cause in any way shape or form but this is the point of my podcast last week it doesn't always matter and i think sport is a great example of this uh you know you you go into the lives of those Super Bowl heroes from yesterday, both the winners and the losers, um, I'd imagine they don't look like peak performance athletes today. Who knows what drunken debauchery they're involved in right in this minute if you were to have access to their behind-the-scenes lives. Um, But that's sport. Like, who cares? I, I always find it a little hilarious when some news story breaks about some football player who's snorting cocaine or beating his wife in the off season like I'm not I don't really get too upset about that Um, you know do what you want to do uh, just as long as when it's finals time and I've got money on the game can you show up like can you can you actually be ready to win that's all I really care about I mean you're a footy player I don't really expect you to be awesome all the time in fact I don't really expect you to be awesome much of the time at all really you know but even though I'm okay with that kind of debauchery Goulburn's not my hometown, we've got a couple of canvas signs that are on some fences around town, really highlighting the rules of this town. And Goulburn says no to domestic violence. That's a new rule in Goulburn. And I think it's made a massive difference. Um, now when couples want to get violent, they've got to get in the car or get on the train and punch on in Yass or uh, Canberra or even Moss Vale. Or, you know, when a couple are driving into town in their RV and they're getting a bit agitated and they see the sign, they keep driving. They don't fight in Goulburn anymore. So um, not everyone is okay with uh, everything belongs kind of behavior that I'm advocating here. But you make of that what you will. Now, speaking of the Super Bowl, I see that Jesus has come into some money. Uh, if you saw any of the ads played at key moments in the game, you would have seen Jesus had two at $7 million a pop for 30 seconds of airtime. So I'd love to know what the ROI was on that spend, but I'm sure it'd be very effective. Well, look, the topic of today that I wanted to draw your attention to is uh, the idea of zooming out. And this is a, a phrase that's been playing in my mind since I heard Pete Holmes uh, talk about this. He's a comedian, a particularly favorite comedian of mine. Have a listen to this short clip of his on this on this very idea. Life makes no sense. You're on a planet right now. You think you're in America? Zoom out. 
You're on a space rock floating in nothingness, infinite nothingness, and the infinite nothingness is expanding. That means endlessness is getting bigger. That makes no fucking sense. We all just act like it's normal. Like, oh, we're, everything's made of molecules. Okay. Got it. I'll never think about that again. Although he's trying to be funny, I love the fact that comedians are often the most significant truth tellers in our culture. And that idea of zooming out, to me, is epic. I reckon it's one of the most important features we have, the ability to gain distance, the ability to change our perspective. So, look, here are a few ways this idea of zooming out is impacting my world at the moment, even very recently, even as, as recent, most recently as the weekend. So some of you may have known that we spent nine months in Germany in 2016 as a business experiment. I'd just read The 4-Hour Workweek from Tim Ferriss, fantastic book, and was so compelled by this idea that time, money, and mobility were the three real luxuries of life and that they were more accessible than I'd thought they were. Um, I'd already managed to wrangle back time in my life by taking a 12-month sabbatical and realizing that I could actually design a lifestyle that I felt was really conducive to how I wanted to feel in life. And when I read Time, Money, Mobility, that's the, that's the three things, I thought, I reckon the trap is to go after money first because you'll be like, well, when I have enough money, then I'll get more time um, and then I'll be able to be anywhere. But I thought time seems to be the hardest one to get back, so I'm going to go after that one first. And if I get that one first, I reckon the other two will be easier. And so that sabbatical year when I when I just clocked off and checked out and had a chance to reassess a bunch of things, I really reassessed my ideal day and my ideal week and how I wanted to live my life. And I realized that segmenting work and rest was not ideal at all. So for the first three months of my sabbatical, I was more stressed than I was the three months leading up to the sabbatical where I needed, where I knew I needed to take a break. It was really stressful doing nothing, deliberately not allowing myself to do anything. And I thought that can't be the solution. Um, if I could do anything, I, I don't have a business plan for this. I have no idea how to finance this. I don't know how this works in the real world, but in the real world. But if I could do anything, um, I'd actually combine work and play in the same day. I'd have high moments of high intensity and energy, and then moments of rest and and nothingness. So I'd like to mix it all together. If if I could have my ideal life, you know, I, I would like to do work every day. I wouldn't like there to be a day where I wasn't allowed to work. That doesn't sound very fun at all. I love what I do. This is what I was born to do. I find great meaning in it. Uh, I'm excited about it. So yeah, I'd love to do it, but only for short short periods of time. And then I'd go do something else. And so that was a really amazing thing. And I designed my ideal life playing with a number of hours to see what really worked. And I found that 24 or 25 hours a week of high energy productivity time spread over seven days was the ideal number for me. And that more or less has stuck uh, for the seven or eight years since I discovered it. So that was the first thing. And then this idea of mobility and money, that, that were that were the next obstacles. And so the way I decided to solve that was to get on a plane and move to Germany with my family uh, with one person signed up to my first online coaching program. And I was selling it at half price at 
Um, I think the full price is $495 for my boot camp, the first iteration of the uh, Find Yourself Boot Camp. Uh, and I was selling it for half price because that's what you do when you don't know what you're doing. And I'd convinced my family that I'd make it work. So anyway, we went to Germany and somehow we found a way to make it work. It was it was an awful lot harder than I thought, uh, but such a great learning experience. And I think all my best learnings have come out of the doing and the doing that comes from say yes, work out how later. So necessity is the mother of invention. And you put yourself in the deep end, you've got to sink or you swim. I mean, you've got to swim or you sink. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is we had an amazing experience in Germany. It was life-changing. We've got memories that will last us forever, friendships that will last us forever. Uh, we got to experience the world. We got to go to different countries every month. And uh, Catherine and I had been back there on our 20th wedding anniversary, but it had always been Cat's dream in particular to take the whole family back. And the kids getting a bit older, you know, maybe this will be the last opportunity to really do a big family holiday together. And so she'd pitched the idea uh, late last year that we're going to go to Germany for three or four weeks and get to do some more European travel and we're going to do it as a family. And she'd created this budget and spreadsheets and mapped it all out and pitched it and um, it was a really exciting thing. And she was running lead on it and um, looking to make it all happen. And then... Over the last few months, I'd heard her talking about her plans and this hadn't worked and that quite that had changed and this was more expensive than she'd thought and the budget was being blown out and it was quite a stressful thing for her. And then we got a bit stressed too, kind of hearing her be stressed around this and it was just a lot of uncertainty around the plan. And, um, you know, this week I said to her, look, um, I think we really need to make a a decision. It doesn't look like this is going to happen to me. I, I've heard you talk about this. It feels like all the key things you wanted to happen can't happen. It seems like the costs have blown out. Uh, so I'm not convinced this is going to be the right thing for us. However, one thing I am convinced about is this is the best of you. This is your intention to do something good for our family is pure. And I see that in you. And I love that, and I'm so grateful on that for that. And but I understand it's your energy that's driving this. You're running lead on this. So um, all I'm doing is saying, yeah, look, I'm grateful for your intention, but can you arrive at a decision? Anyway, uh, that was all she needed. And so uh, in 24 hours, she had adapted. She made alterations. She'd found a way to get what she wanted and pulled together this incredible plan and actually booked it in over the weekend, just like that. And so we're off to Germany in September. Now, the beautiful thing about that is we nearly missed out on an experience that I know will be very rewarding. It will be a beautiful family experience. And we nearly missed out on Kat being able to bring her gift to the family and make that happen. And it was simply an issue of zoom in, zoom out. So the zoom in is the focus on details. And when you get focused on details, there are certain times it's really important to zoom in because details do matter. And the challenge of being always zoomed in is that you encounter obstacles and they become impossible. So uh, when you ask, how do I do this? How is the slowest way to solve any problem? 
Um, when you look at something that you have not done before or you haven't seen done and you ask, how do I do this and get focused on the detail around the how, often the answer is, well, I don't know how and how seems impossible and how often is impossible. And so you get stuck and paralyzed there. So um, so what I did for Kat was just to zoom out and to draw her up into intention, to say, I see your intention here. And your intention is pure and I am grateful for your intention and I understand what you're trying to do for us. So I understand that the details are not working, but I want you to know that I see your intention. And so I drew her attention into her intention and then she got focused on the why rather than the how. And when when the why becomes big enough, the how takes care of itself. And so off the back of her being reunited with her best energy around this, she became more creative. She became more flexible. She noticed options she hadn't seen before. She found a way to make the impossible possible, and we were all the beneficiaries. For me, this week, the way that I applied it to my own life was, you you might have gathered from hearing me talk about myself and my challenges and my progress over the years that I am ambitious I, I was playing golf with a friend recently and he was reflecting on his life and what's going on and how he deals with challenges. And he says, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not trying to change the world. I'm just trying to raise a family and be a good dad and a good husband. And so that helps me just settle down and just go, well, okay, then that's all that matters. And I thought, I didn't say, I thought, well, yeah, but what happens when you are trying to change the world? Because that is my intention. Yeah, I'm trying to be a good dad and a good husband, but I feel compelled to contribute to solving a really significant problem that causes untold suffering and creates difficulty for leaders and problem solvers in doing the things they're supposed to do. And if they don't do the things they're supposed to do, then we all miss out. And it seems like the state of the world... uh, you know, we don't have a lot of margins for good people not to be doing the thing they were designed to do. So I am ambitious to change the world. I am ambitious to have a platform and to bring myself to the world in a way that actually counts. And so there are times where I feel that that's being fulfilled. And then there are plenty of times where I feel like I'm on the bench, that I've got more to give than I am giving, that I'm like, eh, no one really cares. Like I, here I am swinging away, writing, speaking, coaching, and yeah, you know, I'm making a, a small difference to a small number of lives, um, but it's not really what I had in mind. It's not the big picture. I want to be rich and famous. You know, those lines, if I'm brutally honest, like, yeah, I, I do. I, I would like to have uh, more money and I would like to have more influence. I would like more people to receive the work that I do, to celebrate the work that I do. That's that's me being honest. So uh, when I zoom in, I am very aware of what I don't have in terms of being rich and famous. However, when I zoom out, everything changes. So let me give you my journal entry for for this week. Uh, and you'll see what I mean. You'll see how zooming out actually made a big difference. Success. What even is it? Well, my kids receive more energy and life and love when they are around me. My wife enjoys a better experience of life than she would without me. 
that I have not dulled my senses, compromised my truth, settled for less than I desire, lowered my expectations, lied to my soul. I am an integrated, whole, healed, spiritual, alive human being. I am fit, fast and strong. I am doing what I was born to do. I am wholehearted. I have more than enough of the available resources to do all that I desire to do. What am I hoping that fame and fortune actually give me? Fame, well, I suppose what I want is external validation that I am as good as I think I am. Fortune, I suppose it's the same. External validation that I am making a meaningful contribution and I am doing the work that I think I was born to do. So I know as well as anyone that external validation can't be what I rely on for my fuel source. I must go inward. Deeper, better, truer awareness that I have all that I seek already within me to be my own source. I could change the equation of I need to be famous to feel validated, to become happy, to know that I'm doing the good work that I was born to do and just go straight to validating myself and therefore being happy and knowing that I am already in the space that I was born for. Hmm. It turns out that I already have what I want. If I was to gain fame and fortune, I would be in a hurry to give it back, to go back to this very experience of lifestyle that I have right here and right now. Huh. Well, that is good to know. And that frees me to write, to speak, to coach, to run, to travel, to love, to eat, to drink, to laugh, to listen, and to partake of life. All that from zooming out. That zoom out feature is so transformational. For my clients, it, it's a game changer as well. So no doubt you've heard me talk about the fact that self-discipline is overrated and at some point in the midlife experience of success, it will be essential to upgrade a self-permission instead. And so one of my clients I'm working with currently had not really contemplated that, hadn't really understood that and was probably only just coming to the end of the efficiency of self-discipline. One of the cool things about this client was just loving data, loving frothing over data, loving seeing what happens, seeing what you can make yourself do. And so tracked every area of health and fitness, all the metrics were there in front of him and carried that forward into the coaching experience. And we had a really funny conversation a few weeks ago around, you know, probably week three or four typically is is one of the biggest weeks in, in my six-month coaching experience because we jump straight in the deep end from the beginning uh, and quite quickly move toward the threshold moment of okay are you are you in like are you going to step across into the into the supernatural experience of life say yes to adventure fully and go and be the hero i.e. are you going back to rescue the child or are you going to remain in your angst around these unresolved narratives from your childhood that you have been living as though they are, they are true and so he was in this space. Yeah, look, I'm I'm going back. I'm I'm going to go into the into the conversations. I'm going headlong into the fear, into the pain, into my worst assumptions and agreements and opinions about myself. And I'm going to go review that data, and I'm going to 
I'm going to address the fallout and address the betrayal I've perpetrated toward my safe, toward, toward myself, living, assuming those assumptions are true and, and continuing to talk to myself and manage myself as though there is a great problem with me. If it proves there is no problem, there's never been a problem, it's all been a misunderstanding, then my goodness, there's some cleanup to do. So all that work um, and, and he tracked his uh, heart rate variability and other sleep metrics throughout that week period and uh, revealed that at the end of that week, although he hadn't exercised almost at all because of the intensity of the work, the data from that week revealed that uh, the intensity was similar to one of his most intense training weeks had he been on the bike or you know, training for a, a triathlon or something really intense, that same physical experience, that same level of exertion and energy was being poured into the work of reviewing his own life. So it's big stuff. This is why most people never do it. They, they get so far and then run away. Too hard, too scary. The level of angst most humans have toward their past means it's too great. It's too costly and so they don't go back. However, if you can use the zoom out feature, then you realize that you're probably going to be okay because most people have zoomed right in. So they are very focused on the minute detail. This specific thing happened and I feel about I feel like this about myself and I've had these specific experiences that confirm these assumptions and so it's all true and real and I can see the specifics and, and it feels so special and unique when you zoom in. But that's the problem because it's not special or unique. When you zoom out, you realize, oh, look at this. Everyone experiences this. Not a single child escapes their childhood without developing woundedness. No one makes it into adult life without limiting beliefs about themselves. Even perfect parents do not prevent their child picking up self-limiting beliefs. It's impossible. And even if it were possible, you wouldn't want it to happen because the woundedness is the gift. It's the opportunity for you to do adult work, your best adult work on yourself. And then because you've had to do it on yourself, you understand the nuance of it and you embody it and then you're able to bring that gift to others. So when you zoom out, you get to see the patterns. You get to see that, huh, there's nothing broken, weird, strange, mysterious and unique about this. And then you can trust a process. You can drop into a predictable process rather than needing a special solution. So that zoom out feature changes everything. I find it a massive state change, almost an instant state change. I'll, I'll often um, you know, be caught up in my head, zoomed in on detail, zoomed in on problems, zoomed in on emotion, and then have developed... The, a reset button around looking up. Uh, the sky has always fascinated me. The night sky, there is more to look at, obviously, because you can see stars, but even the day sky I find mesmerizing. And so I'll stop and look up and just go, yeah, but how, how does this even work? Like, what even is this? Pete... Homes, it's weird. It's just weird. Like you think you're in Australia, zoom out. You think you're in America, zoom out. You're on a rock floating in space. Doesn't even make sense. Uh, the two words tattooed on my shins are zoom out words, power and grace. They are 
useful course corrections and calibrations of my state to go, yeah, Jamin, you are extraordinarily powerful. You have been given wondrous gifts. Your brain is a machine. Your heart pumps blood. The intention and intensity you carry, you carry the very essence of life within your being. The universal, endless, eternal life is inside you and you think you can't do something. Have a look at what's going on here. Zoom out. And also as you zoom out, notice that you're tiny. You're nothing and no one. And no one actually does care. Like you're here today, gone tomorrow. And in the grand scheme of things, your life's not that important. So settle down a bit as well. But for the grace of God, go you. You cannot survive without the abundance of resources all around you that you are not producing, you are not controlling. You are breathing carbon dioxide out and the trees and and greenery around you is lovingly replacing that carbon dioxide with fresh fresh oxygen for you to take your next breath. The food you depend upon to survive comes from the earth. The water that nourishes you drops from the sky. Like it's all here for you and you didn't control it. You didn't contribute to it. So... When you zoom out, it's a moment of incredible gratitude and wonder and reverence and awe about the sacredness of the experience of life. And in that moment of awe and wonder, then just being here is to succeed. It's to experience wonder. It's all magic. It's all extraordinarily profound. Every single moment is special. Zoom out feature is is brilliant when i discovered i had a zoom out button on my being it changed my life another zoom out example i love to use is just to notice the effectiveness of language and and the effectiveness of strategy i'm currently committed to playing the linkedin game better than i have been which means understanding the rules and knowing when and where to post and where to comment and uh, you know, I don't particularly enjoy the LinkedIn game, but I it's a game I, I'd like to play. I'd, I'd like to get better at that game. And I can see the value of being good at the LinkedIn game. There, that's how I'll say it. So I, I read a lot more content on LinkedIn and I watch how others play the game. And I can't help but zoom out when I see language patterns. And I zoom out and go, well, if you play that out over a population or over a period of time and notice how ineffective it is, you would not use that language ever again. But when you're zoomed in, you can't see that. You think it's very effective because it feels effective in this minute experience of it. Let me give you an example. Here's a post from a friend of mine. Uh, Some thoughts about the business world and the global economy as we start 2023. I am optimistic. This said, some things need to change. We need to change the way we think about some things. The social media platforms need to be better regulated as publishers rather than enablers. Each of us has to change the way we act every day, even in small ways to reduce our waste, energy consumption and overall consumption. Think about and act to support those in need in our communities and those impacted by war. It might seem like a lot, but daily small changes can make a difference over 365 days. So if you are zoomed in on that post as many were you think well okay that seems sound seems useful i get it yeah i agree like comment share 
But you zoom out and you go, but hang on a minute and just hold the phone. Some things need to change. Okay, so need to. Does that ever work? Is that ever useful language? Let's zoom out and have a look at all the patterns. All the time, someone has tried to change something about themselves or someone else by saying, you need to, I need to. Huh, you zoom out, it turns out it never, ever works. In fact, it often does the opposite of working. It embeds the current situation further because it's it's a trick. It's self-deception. Because you feel like you committed to action, then you relax. You think you've done something. But you haven't done anything except buy yourself more time not to do anything. Need to, have to, should. Those language patterns, when you see that zoomed in, oh, excellent, powerful, yes, great. Zoom out, empty, vacuous, and worse, damaging. That's not the way we change. And also to create a moral obligation. So others should do better. Like This really shouldn't be like this. Social media needs to do better. Okay, but it doesn't. So saying it needs to do, does it actually, does it actually need to? It turns out it doesn't. It turns out it does whatever it's going to do. So there has to be a different way of thinking about... I just did it myself. <laughs> so if social media is going to change, it will require a better strategy... Uh, which evidently I don't have right now. So, yeah, there you go. That's funny. The point of what I'm saying is uh, this language isn't working. But that's not that great for me just to say that because I haven't presented a viable alternative other than um, to take action here and now, to not put off action by hiding behind need to, have to, should do. It's to go, well, what do I want and what am I prepared to do about it? think that's ultimately the way things change responsibility while on linkedin also this week i saw tim ferrist post some recommended reading uh taming the mammoth why you should stop caring about what other people think it's an article written by tim urban he's uh, most famous for his ted talk on procrastination you may have come across it so tim said this is what he's reading at the moment and it would be useful if I was to read it too. So I thought I would. I'd follow his instruction to read this. So let me just read an excerpt from this and then share my reflections on it. Part 1. Meet your mammoth. The first day I was in second grade, I came to school and noticed that there was a new, very pretty girl in the class, someone who hadn't been there the previous two years. Her name was Alana, and within an hour, she was everything to me. When you're seven... There aren't really any actionable steps you can take when you're in love with someone. You're not even sure what you want from the situation. There's just this amorphous yearning that's part of your life and that's that. But for me, it became suddenly relevant a few months later when during recess one day, one of the girls in the class started asking each of the boys, who do you want to marry? When she asked me, it was a no-brainer, Alana. Disaster. I was still new to being a human and didn't realize that the only socially acceptable answer was no one. The second I answered, the heinous girl ran toward other students, telling each of them, Tim said he wants to marry Alana. Each person she told covered their mouth with uncontrollable laughter. I was finished. Life was over. 
the news quickly got back to Alana herself, who stayed as far away from me as possible for days after. If she knew what a restraining order was, she'd have taken one out. This horrifying experience taught me a critical life lesson. It can be mortally dangerous to be yourself, and you should exercise extreme social caution at all times. Now this sounds like something only a traumatized second grader would think, but the weird thing, and the topic of this post, is that this lesson isn't just limited to me and my debacle of childhood, it's a defining paranoia of the human species. We share a collective insanity that pervades human culture throughout the world. An irrational and unproductive obsession with what other people think of us. So, then he goes on to explain the history of this. And as as I've heard a number of authors do, they go back to the prehistoric times and the saber-toothed tiger and worrying about the dangers in the world. And that's prehistoric part of our brain that's still wired inside of us so it's like we've got this mammoth that's always caring what others think and so you've got to you've got to manage the mammoth basically is the whole point of it this is a very it's a very long article too by the way so i'll do you a favor by summarizing the point and then telling you uh it's not any great contribution in fact it's a giant step in the wrong direction all based on misunderstanding the problem so my two favorite coaching questions of all time remain the same. Question one, what problem are you most looking to solve? Question two, are you sure that's actually the problem? So let's apply that here. What problem are you most looking to solve? Oh, here's a problem, an irrational and unproductive obsession with what other people think of us. Are you sure that's actually the problem? Yeah, I am. But you've got it wrong. That's not the problem. That's never been the problem. This is... A case of misdirection. This is where so many people get stuck and why so many people spend inordinate, inordinate, what? A lot of time, energy and money worrying about what other people think about them and are paralyzed by that fear for the rest of their life. And, and anything you've got to manage requires energy. The moment you get tired, stressed, overwhelmed, well, then you stop managing it very well and then that fear just takes over. There is a better way. And the better way comes all the way back to understanding what actually went wrong in the first place. And it's subtle, but the devil is in the detail. So I would say every single human has moments of embarrassment exactly like this, where you show up as yourself um, feeling like, yeah, it's fine to be me. And me being me in my natural state thinks or says or wants to do this certain thing. And so you do the thing that your natural state dictates and then it goes horribly wrong very quickly and you didn't even imagine that were possible. And so there's this catastrophic embarrassment that washes over you in that moment. Embarrassment being the strongest human emotion because of what happens as a result of it. It sends catastrophic chemicals through every part of your body, alerts you to ultimate pending doom and prepares you for your strongest flight fight response because you're in so much danger and people make stronger vows in moments of embarrassment than they do on their wedding day. So that all seems like it highlights that there is great danger by the experience, but it's not the experience that creates the problem. It's the sense made on the experience. It's the sense and the logic made by, yeah, but what actually happened there? What, what it, you know, Why did that happen and what does it mean about me? Is the real 
game changer when you understand they are the two questions that we go into the world with. So let's use that here. So Tim has this experience of seeing a young girl that he falls in love with and then feels appropriate to tell the natural response is, yeah, I want to marry Alana, and then realizes that, no, that was the wrong response and, and his natural response gets him in trouble and embarrassed. And so he feels like from that moment the problem is now he cares about what others think. But it's not that at all. It's like, oh, look what happened. When I showed up as myself, I made a mess. I didn't read the cues. I didn't know what I was supposed to say. So there is some problem with me. I don't know how to be a human. My natural state is not to be trusted. My natural state will get me hurt. My natural state will embarrass me. My natural state will miss the game, will not do what others expect me to do. So I cannot be me ever again. That's the real dilemma. It's an assumption about your own nature. That's the real problem. You have made an assumption. Tim, you made an assumption in that moment that there was a problem with you. So the real dilemma is your own opinion of you, not the other kid's opinion of you. What you don't want from this moment is you never want someone else's opinion of you to align with your opinion of you. That's the real dilemma. So the only way to solve that is to review your initial opinion of you. That's the only way out of this mess, not to manage other people's opinion of you, not to stop being afraid of other people's opinion, to delve into your own worst words spoken to yourself in that moment and to review that and heal that and replace that with a better story. The final thing I'll say about zooming out is I experienced one of life's great delights this week by getting a new MacBook laptop and... That's great, but it does require me to transition all my files from my old computer over to my new one, which uh, is long overdue. And if I did have a weakness or a fault, it would be my file management system on my computer. I do know where everything is, but my goodness, there are files all over the place and they are a little hard to find. So it's a chance to consolidate and get everything together. And probably I've probably got 16 copies of each single file and video and audio on my computer, so... No wonder it's going a bit slow. Uh, but anyway, as I was transferring files, I was looking at all the past episodes, podcast episodes from 2022, and just looking at the the titles and remembering the content that I shared. And, and so zoomed in on this current episode. Um, it's easy to forget that there's ever been any other episodes. Zoom out. And I was looking at some of the titles. Uh, someone has to go first, which is... A really important distinction around uh, couples who are experiencing problems. Someone has to have the courage to address the situation and no two people are ready at the same time. So highlighting the mechanics of that, episode 233. And the midlife review, the tools to take stock and gain some awareness around your current position midlife that you probably couldn't do the review earlier because you're not ready to be wrong about anything yet. Episode, episode 238. And the law of entropy, that was one of the first episodes I did at the beginning of 2022, which just explains that every system is moving towards randomness. It's deteriorating, it's decaying unless you put energy back into it. And that is so relevant for your personal development journey. It's so relevant for your marriage, for your parenting, for your business. Uh, why people prefer the dark. So the curiosity around, you know, people should have more courage. People should face their fears but they don't okay so let's have a look at this why is it that people prefer the dark episode 234 uh, and then why telling the truth is so hard so that was off the back of 
Will Smith, the famous slap of uh, his friend Chris Rock at the Oscars, episode 252. So just zooming out and going, hey, my goodness, there, there are some useful topics and titles and a lot of great content. So just drawing your attention to a zoomed out uh, perspective of all the resources you've got access to this week. If you want to go back and pick any one of those episodes, I'm sure you'll find it valuable. Uh, and then off the back of that, just uh, highlighting that there's an updated scorecard for your use on the website. You'll find a chance to give yourself a performance review. Um, when I watch people show up at their best where it matters most, that they're always scoring above 75 on the unhindered scorecard. So if you want to know how hindered you really are, you might think you're doing okay. You may even have no idea what you're capable of. You might think you're functioning at a high level when really the handbrake's on and you've never known what it's like not not to have the handbrake on. So having a number, being able to see the real data around how free you are to show up could be really useful because that number will then highlight, well, yeah, cool, I'm doing the work, keep going, or look at this, there's a fair bit of work to do, but now at least I know what that work is. So you'll find that on my website at the moment. Uh, Look, I hope that's been useful. I always enjoy our conversations. Let's leave it there for this week.